Hey guys, you're listening to the Energy of the Untamed Heart podcast, where we talk about uncaging your divinely gifted wild heart to be as free and expansive as you were born to be. My goal is to use our stories, guest interviews, and your questions to tease out what has been keeping your wild heart under wraps. I'm your host, Miel Fox, and together we will shatter the myths of our old stories to set our wild heart free. So thanks for choosing you and showing up today. Really interesting conversation we're going to have today. Sometimes we are so caught up in our nervous system and our emotional system dysregulation, we can't even have the awareness that this is where we're at. We're just caught in the loop. Compound this with the increased prevalence of anxiety and other mental health concerns highlighted by the pandemic, of course, and beyond, and one can start to see that we are totally in the midst of a connection deficiency vortex. Separation from our societal routines, lack of understanding and compassion for our fellow humans, feeling unheard, unseen, undervalidated, has left us as a society craving connection, community, communication, and compassion. Let's just say it. Everybody is important and everybody wants to be loved. So please join me today as I chat with Sarah Studeris, advocate for the mental wellness services in Canada, EFT practitioner, wellness coach, and the creator of Shift Your Shit with Sarah podcast. We will talk about how society could benefit from having more open communication, networking, brainstorming, learning, and using techniques to help regulate our nervous system. Techniques which can be shared with coworkers, clients alike, to help bring awareness to a starting place for healing for ourselves, for getting ourselves back into a state of good regulation. When we can regulate and be in a quieter, calmer state of being, we are not only able to hear the whispers of our heart and work towards our greater whole wellness, but we're also able to soften the cacophony of mind chatter, which holds us prisoner within our mind and body. This is such a critical conversation for today's youth, as well as for parents, caretakers, healthcare professionals, and anyone else who struggles with anxiety, mental health concerns, and searching for how can they feel a part of the world versus feeling left out of the world. So let's get started. A three-pronged like approach to business, and it would be to be able to use EFT to help people that basically have had Maybe it's a whole bunch of little T trauma. Maybe it's something big in their life, but it's holding them back. They have limiting beliefs that they don't even realize that they're there and they want change. They want something better, but they just don't know what it is or what the next step is or what to do. They just know they want more and help them to get past the things that are holding them back and identify what they really want and how to get there and make their way and for that business to have enough income that I can also donate time to here it's called the CMHA the Canadian Mental Health Association so mental health organizations and domestic violence organizations to be able to provide EFT as a tool for the people that are on waiting lists everywhere the resources are spread so thin for mental health I mean, health in general, mental health is a big killer. And when you're on a waiting list for two, four, five years, and you're not given any kind of coping skills in the meantime, people aren't going to make it off that waiting list. They're going to die before they make it to their appointment. And I think EFT is a great tool that people can use by themselves 
in the meantime and be able to, you know, make it through the day, make it through the week, through the month, through that year. And then when they're able to actually get the services, I mean, they dovetail great together. I think it's important for people to have some kind of a coping mechanism in the meantime. And right now they just don't. And I mean, where I, the city that I live in, we're pretty lucky with um, the mental health organization. Um, they do have different like drop-in programs or organized programs. But even though it's the same organization, in every city it's run differently. So the city that I lived in up until six months ago, even though it's literally run by the same people, there's four offices that have the same CEO, the same oversight, the same everything, it's completely different. And they don't have drop-in services or like programs for people to go to and register for. Do you think there, that's it's because of more... lack of staff? It could be, or it also could be, it's a pretty recent thing that they've amalgamated. So it could be a resistance to change. We've always done it this way. Yeah. Or like trying to reallocate resources because there it's more uh, reactive and here it's more proactive. Um, so it's interesting to see how the different cities run. And even recently I went to um, a town that's about three hours from us, a town, no, it's a city. It covers like a whole region, almost a whole, they cover almost like the whole county. They had a mental health event that they were partnering with the local chamber of commerce and a few other businesses and talking about like mental health in the workplace and the importance of talking about mental health and things like that. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. We don't ever have anything like this in our area. I'm going to go check out what it is. And then, I mean, I can always come back to the one here and be like, hey, look what everybody else is doing around here. Like, do you think maybe this is something that you guys would be interested in doing? So I went there and I was asking a lot of questions. They're all like, oh, so do you work at CMHA in London? And I'm like, no, I have nothing to do with them. I just think we need something like this in London. So I drove down here because I think it's important. And they were all like, oh, okay, sure. I want to find out more about mental health advocacy. When I was at the, well, I guess it wasn't quite the lowest point because I mean, I was in the hospital, I was alive. But when I had a resident come to me and I'd only been out of a coma for two days and tell me that um, because my mental state was a five out of 10 and it had been for four days or for six days, four of those days I was in a coma that they were going to discharge me from the mental health program. And I was like, mm, no, no, I'm not here because I came for a knee surgery. I know you need to fix my knee, but I'm here because I tried to off myself and we're going to do something about that. You can't just discharge me from this program. We call it formed here in Canada. So basically committed. Somebody has to watch me 24-7, have their eyes on me all the time. I'm still formed. You're going to discharge me from the program? Like, I no, this isn't right. And I said to him, look, if you think that discharging me is a good idea, you're in the wrong program. And if you think that discharging somebody at a 5 out of 10 is appropriate, you're in the wrong program. And there's so many people that are in that position or maybe not even like that deep into things, maybe just like in that 
like dark place where you're at home and you're isolating yourself from everybody else and you don't think it's going to get any better and nobody seems to understand and people just use the four words that I hate why can't you just and they just don't have the bandwidth or the energy or the fight or the capability to say no and fight back for themselves and when they're told no they're just like okay there's no help okay and so I was like okay once I can take my fair share of rejection plus a little bit extra um, then I need to get into advocacy I can't let it deteriorate my mental health again but there's so many people that can't speak up for themselves and they need somebody to so yeah that's part of what I'd like to do and then also the other part of it is to to do a lot of speaking not only the importance of looking after mental health and destigmatizing talking about it and not using those four words but also to let people know that it does get better and that it doesn't have to take 20 years you can have the life you want so to be able to speak not only to those people but also to the policymakers and the people who influence the policymakers to say we're not at the solution yet I, I don't have the solution I don't know exactly what it is but there's something better than this and we need to work towards it so those are kind of like the three parts that I'd like my business to be able to support is helping the people that can afford a four fee service and can do one-on-one -on -one or even potentially a group program and having that be able to fund being able to donate time to people that can't or offer scholarships and then to do speaking for awareness and to potentially change policy. I think it's beautiful and it's so needed and it's so needed in so many different venues. I'm in healthcare mm -hmm. and it's not only our patients who are in desperate need of oh. services for challenges, but it's also for providers, support care providers. providers who mm -hmm. also have their own mental wellness issues secondary to overload, to stress, to burnout, mm -hmm. to what I call political squelching, meaning access mm -hmm. to services or access to funding yeah. or access to picket time, staff, you name it. You know, you run into even things like how do people in certain careers and fields, how does their mental wellness get impacted by their sense of value and self-value when, because an area is understaffed, they now bring in what we call traveling staff members from outside of our state, outside of our region, who are being compensated at two and a half times the salary that the our local that have... community people who have given their heart and soul to the picket, the office, the hospital, the whatever, even though the answer from the corporation standpoint is we need staff and therefore we will pay for staff externally, whatever that is, mm -hmm. the impact on the people who are the residents of the community who've given their heart and soul to the community I can only imagine there must be a sense of what am I doing this for because I'm not mm -hmm. seeing being seen as valued. So rather than increase benefits to our existing staff, they're allocating dollars mm -hmm. outside of our community. So I find that mm -hmm. an interesting component of how does that impact the overall sense of wellness 
for on a professional for your professionals who are in mm-hmm. a service industry, as well as the recipients of said service being clients, patients, you know, mm-hmm. the average person who is not in that position. The second place that it just is replete, and I'm sure you have it in Canada, we have it everywhere in the U.S., is in our education system. The kids mm-hmm. are falling through the cracks. Two years of homeschooling through Zoom for not just educators, but parents and families who, because of the pandemic, were forced to educate from home via Zoom and so on and so forth, but they weren't skilled to do the task. I mean, the mm-hmm. average parent is not educator trained to be an educator. Mm-hmm. They're a parent. And to suddenly take on, oh, we have a nine to five job, plus we have to be the teacher, plus we have to do the thing. I think there's a percentage of our kid population who has absolutely had a few gaps in the education through no fault of their own, as well as the impact of not being able to express socially for a window of time has created a whole new set of what I would refer to as mental wellness coping mechanisms. So they don't Mm -hmm. grasp how to cope with their anxiety. They don't grasp how to conduct reasonably in a social setting where there may be triggers or there may be situations that they're not prepared for because they haven't been brought through that. They haven't been taught that. Mm -hmm. And so it builds a lot of difficulty secondary to just not being out there in the public, in the school system, on the playground, in community activities, playing team sports, whatever the thing may be. I'm really interested if you see that. I know you're back to, I'm going to start back with my business, but I'm sure you must see that even Mm -hmm. where you are currently, I think. Yeah, for sure. I've noticed with a lot of, a lot of my friends, it's kind of split. A lot of them have older kids that are like in their late 1920s and then some of them have like younger younger kids and some of them have kids that were born during the pandemic and to see those children who are not used to being around people at all and then you even do something like go grocery shopping and there's so many people around and they just don't know how to handle it and they're either fascinated by or terrified by the fact that there's so many people around and just completely overwhelmed. I think that shows a lot what's probably underneath for the kids who can mask it, who have social skills because they've been in school for five, 10, 15 years, and then, you know, have this two years out of it. So they can mask it and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But then you see that, like you said, the coping mechanisms that, I mean, maybe aren't healthy because, you know, did we spend any time in this schooling focusing on healthy coping mechanisms and like dealing with the stress of the situation and like the change and the difference? Yeah. Did we focus on things like some of the more not used in practical everyday subjects yep um and would it have maybe been better to replace that with some of this probably yep and you know just the like you're saying for the parents the overwhelm of like i can't even imagine being a single parent you know 
two-parent households, I'm sure it was difficult as well. But like, can you imagine being a single parent with even a single parent with more than one child? You've got to complete your job from home. Or if you're a frontline worker, you've got to find somebody to stay with them all day, plus go to work and all of a sudden pay for their care because they aren't in school. And then you have to help them with their homework. And then you have to look after the house and do everything else. And you're under all the same stress. It's just, it's crazy. The, I think the one really good thing that came out of the pandemic is that people that didn't struggle with mental health and didn't struggle with the overt feeling of overwhelm and couldn't understand it before can now understand it. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I get it now. But unfortunately, because now more people are struggling with it and the system was already overtaxed beforehand. And sure, we're talking about it more, but there's not more dollars going to it. It's, I mean, even more overstretched than it was before. Yeah. But I do think it's really positive that more people understand and more people that are the logical thinkers that maybe are in the positions that maybe decision-making can kind of more understand. I think that's a positive thing, but unfortunately it's not a thing that's going to work itself out tomorrow. It's not like they're going to turn around and be like, oh, okay, I get it. So like, let's work towards something. And they're just like, okay, I get it now. Yes. The wheels turn very slowly. I think the wheels turn very slowly in many areas, not just in mental health, but in many, many areas. Oh, yeah. But where I actually see the potential for a trend is just as you have sponsors for all kinds of other nonprofit organizations in whatever the, the vein may be, I absolutely see there is a potential to, shall I say, spread the word. For example, Mm -hmm. spread the word that there's a tool here that can help many children, adults, Mm -hmm. all populations. It doesn't have to be any particular population, but to utilize that as the platform and to show and share that in areas that can then potentially acquire, I'll call them investors, who mm-hmm. the investor's mission statement is I want to contribute towards something that is going to up-level in this mm-hmm. area or this area or this area. I th- absolutely feel that sometimes these investors are out there, but they are not aware of every need that is being asked for. It's a little bit of a catch-22. Like you need the investor to promote the service, but you need the service to be present and seen in order to attract the investor. So it's sort Mm -hmm. of this little double-edged sword, but certainly where you come from personal experience and you've learned a tool that helps you to work through your own situations, as well as being able to use this tool to help other people in similar situations see that, yes, you know, through the darkness, there is the light. It can be found. It can be exposed. You can lead a better life for yourself once we can show you how do you see it? How do you find it? Mm -hmm. It's a very, very pertinent 
tool in today's society. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I think we all come to it with our own flavor, let's say. There's many of us who, who have the tool, like you, I practice EFT, but my wheelhouse, my area zone of genius isn't your area of zone of genius. And so I think you could have a hundred people who are all skilled in tapping, but their capacity to convey that to the audience that really needs that is going to vary by practitioner. And so I think you are absolutely perfectly poised to be in the advocacy area for mental health for lots of reasons. I mean, obviously you've already walked the walk. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you have a good feel of how is the system either working or not working. And you have your mm-hmm. finger on the pulse of these are the agencies that may be involved. And that I think is going to like one door opens and then the next door opens, as opposed to all the mm-hmm. doors open all at one time. I absolutely feel that you can move this forward for sure. There's a place for it kind of everywhere. I know there's been a lot of um, talk in the the people that um, we're in the same certification as us that are, you know, starting to work with children and teens and looking at, can this be integrated into the school system? And I know some school systems are um, integrating it as early as kindergarten, which is amazing, helping with emotional regulation. There's the corporate wellness programs, the bigger sponsors, even if they think about internally for their own people who, you know, just they're finding themselves just completely dysregulated and the stress of extra time or being overlooked for a promotion or anything, just extra daily work or not feeling valued or feeling their worth in the workplace, being able to provide them with that tool for emotional regulation to be able to then potentially have the conversations um, that are difficult. I mean, I know thinking back to when I was working in corporate jobs, it was so difficult to have those difficult conversations because I was so emotionally dysregulated. I had no idea what the heck that was. I just knew that I was on the verge of tears all the time and like easily upset and sensitive. It was so difficult to have those conversations, even if they would broach them, because I would just cry. And then they'd be like, okay, uh, I am backing away slowly and nothing would get resolved to be able to provide that tool so that people can feel on a more even keel so that they can even have the capacity for problem solving or for talking about the things that they see that could be potential improvements. They got to find a a tactful way of approaching it with management or something like that, where it takes that extra bandwidth. And so many people just don't have it right now. So I think Um, many people absolutely feel they don't have it, but what you say is so critical. Some people, you said, even for yourself, like you didn't know you didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't know mm-hmm. that the I'm on the verge of tears or can't hold a conversation. You didn't recognize that as being a piece of I am dysregulated in my nervous system. And mm-hmm. I think there's probably a large group of the population that feels very much the same. You don't know what mm-hmm. you don't know until you do. And if you don't have so even prior to having the tool of EFT to help you regulate 
I think the step that makes a difference to show people, to start to show people is this is what your dysregulation can look like. It might show up mm-hmm. as whatever, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly having the the language, the and language the to say understanding. This is, yes, because it's it's great, truthfully, to say, here, I've got this thing, use this. But if someone mm-hmm. doesn't understand that maybe they need that, why? They're like, why mm-hmm. are you why are you giving this to me? Like for what reason? Mm-hmm. So it's almost yeah. like the step before the step of awareness to show people if you experience X, Y, and Z in your life, these are all indicators for you. And mm-hmm. guess what? I got a tool that can help. And yeah. then so the end point of having where you say to have the capacity to engage in the conversation, absolutely. It, we all want to have the capacity. You can't have the capacity when you're in that constant fight or flight state because you simply cannot mm-hmm. put two thoughts together properly. You're moving, you're moving in a time and space continuum of I just got to survive. And so mm-hmm. I think your ability to bring that forward for people to see, okay, this recognize that these things mm-hmm. that you feel are okay and they're normal and they're fine and they're not right or wrong. They are just thematic sure. expressions. It's information so that you can mm-hmm. then use that information to move it along in a different way if you choose to. And here's how. Mm-hmm. So I, I think... Your mission statement is beautiful. I think there's absolutely room for all three tiers of your business, for sure. Personal, professional, or corporate, whatever you want to call it, and advocacy, for sure. Yeah, we need a lot more folks like you. You think that you're coping and you're doing all these things, and you think that that is like your normal baseline, but it literally is survival and coping and things can be so much less stressful and so much easier. And because we've never known that and it just keeps like building and building and building and building and building. And like so many of us, I think, don't even realize that we can have different. I never would have realized back working for corporate that I didn't have to be on the verge of tears all the time. I was just sensitive and that was the way it was always going to be. And I couldn't recognize that that was emotional dysregulation and that that wasn't everybody's normal state. Um, And, you know, until you get discussing that, and I mean, even, you know, we draw people to us that are like us. So even like a lot of my friends have that same survival mindset that we don't realize is survival that we just think is the normal everyday baseline. So you even discuss it with them and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is everybody's normal. And then all of a sudden somebody else is like, what are you talking about? That's not normal. I think too, that's been an interesting thing to see on people always talk about how evil social media is, but that's one thing I love about TikTok is that I always say their algorithm, the algorithm, because it literally like you, you swipe and it brings you what you interact with it brings you what you see it doesn't bring you extra crap you see all these people that are like especially right now with adhd and they'll be like what do you mean that everybody doesn't have this like constant internal dialogue in their head and just finding out the like the differences for so many people 
and then finding so many people that you know when you feel alone that are the same I think it's been really great for that when people are like oh you know I I never opened TikTok it's just like there's all this negative stuff and I'm like what are you talking about mine is all stuff I want to learn about and so like, I funny think that's animals. such a great it, it's point literally that you what made. you interact with so correct so any of these platforms they can be whatever you choose if you want to see all the not positive things, then that's what you're going to click on and that's what you're going to get. If you want to focus on more uplifting, more mm -hmm. enriching, more engaging positively in whatever, whether it's looking at furry animals or people dancing or singing, it is what you choose. And you are correct. The algorithm is a little bit like the gigantic energetic equilibrator. What you choose to jump on. Yeah go to is what is brought into you. That's very much like when we talk about how do you want to put your message out to the universe, the more of how you are mm -hmm. and who you are and where you place your focus is what you will continually draw back to yourself. So it's very interesting that even for people mm -hmm. who are not kind of tuned into vibrational energy and frequency, they certainly understand the concept of you can shift your social media algorithm by shifting your free will and choice, well, that same concept applies to everything in your life. You can shift your bandwidth, mm -hmm. your frequency and vibration to draw back in what is of similar should you choose that. And I think the difficult place for people who are just so lost in the chaos of, I can't even see out of the outside of the cloud here, is just the momentary unawareness that, oh, you mean I'm not the only one that feels like this? Oh, you mean there's more like me? Oh, I see. So the mm -hmm. beauty of things like a podcast, having conversations like this, having dialogue is really for listeners to feel seen, feel heard, understand they're not alone, mm -hmm. understand there are pathways if you choose, if you're like, okay, I've had about enough of feeling poopy, I'm ready to feel good now. There are pathways to <laughs> yeah. that. And and so it's a gift. What mm -hmm. you can bring to the world, you're a gift. And it's why we're here. We're here to bring what we are gifted with forward to help those who need a, a hand. Take my hand and walk with me for mm -hmm. a little while until you can walk on your own. But sort of like the mama mm -hmm when she gets a hold of her little kid's hand and says, come on, honey, take my hand and you walk with me. And then pretty soon junior mm -hmm. can walk on his or her own, but there's that time where you need a little mm -hmm. help. And I think yeah. uh, the people like you, like me and many others that we, that we associate with and connect with and collaborate with, we're the, we're the hand to walk part of the journey till you feel strong enough to walk mm -hmm. and do it. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, I know you're restarting things. Where where do we find you? Are you rebranding your podcast? I'm not going to rebrand it. Everything's going to stay the same. It's so everything, my podcast, my socials, my everything is under Shift Your Shit with Sarah. I'm on TikTok and Instagram, kind of on Facebook, but mostly just for business groups. And I'm going to be relaunching my podcast probably in the next month or so. I'm kind of doing things a little bit differently. I originally was kind of just exploring 
literally on my own, different little things that ways that people could try to make little changes and see how it felt and maybe, you know, work towards making big changes. I think I'm going to get more into um, doing more interview style podcasts because if I bring in somebody who say specializes in hypnosis, they can tell me about, you know, oh yeah, I had this client that they felt like this and over however many sessions they were able to feel like this. And we can talk about the benefits of it and things like that. It'd be cool for me to try out some of it and have my own experience. I think it'll be faster and more cost-effective for me to be able to basically interview people that, that do it. And maybe not even people that are the top person in the whatever, but just the everyday uh, people that the everyday person can access um, so that everybody can kind of try something. And they also will be able to give more information on like, oh yeah, this is like the tiny thing that you should try. This will be the most effective little thing that you can try. Cause that's what I always try to have like a, a tiny takeaway that yeah. people, if they're like, oh, this sounds interesting, they can try it out because I mean, there's so many tools and not everything works for everybody. Exactly. And so for me, it's like, try all these tools. If you like it, put it in your toolbox. If you don't, we'll leave it where you found it. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I'm going to put all of your contact information in the show notes and Amazing. you know, I will follow you, of course. <laughs> and I'm wishing you the very, very best. And I just, I'm, I'm so excited to have had a chance to catch up again. It's been really good. Yes, it was so good. Yeah. All right. We'll stay in touch and I Thank will so put all of this in the show notes for you. Thanks. Amazing. All right. Thanks good for taking too. the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, another great conversation. I really feel like today's conversation is an icebreaker for where we are as individuals, how we can start to make a difference for the collective one heart at a time. Showing compassion, creating inclusion, not turning away from what we may not understand, and taking time to let someone feel heard, seen, and know that they are loved just as they are. All of these are key components to bringing us to a more unified place in society. Having tools to help us regulate our emotional nervous system and get out of the survival, flight, fight, freeze mode is critical to start to open the pathway to awareness that there can be another way. With the awareness, then you can start to take action steps. With no awareness, you're just constantly cycling in the loop. So I really want to thank Sarah today for advocating for her province, for people in need of mental health services and support. She is an absolute lighthouse in what can be seen as a very foggy harbor. Look for her in all the spaces at Shift Your Shit with Sarah. If you found today's episode insightful, please tag and share with a friend who might need to hear it as well. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming releases. Of course, as always, you can follow me on all the social media places, Facebook and Instagram at Miel Fox, a private Facebook group, or on my website, www.foxdenenergetics.com. I'm going to leave some links for you in the show notes. There's some great stuff. There's usually something for everybody. Click on the links to see how I can best continue to support you as we explore more of the energy of the untamed heart. I can't wait to see you at the next episode. And as always, sending you so much love.